Welcome to the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is, what is the advantage of combining vision and control technologies? To answer this question, I'm joined today by Damon Thompson, Automation Product Manager for Beckoff USA. Now, this trend toward combining what have long been separate automation functions into a single control environment has been going on for years now. We've seen it happen from combining safety and control to the development of industrial Internet of Things platforms that connect a range of devices and software in one environment for both monitoring and control. Now, in some areas, such as the merging of safety and control, There's been no shortage of concern among some engineers about that. And for others, it's been accepted as a long overdue capability to ease the burden for OEM, system integrators, and end users. So given that, Damon, let's begin by explaining this trend in automation to combine previously separate automation functions into one system for ease of access and use. Can you shed some light onto this trend in terms of what's driving it and what it means for end users across industry? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's step back a little bit and look at the history, right? Original, the way that kind of automation controls evolved was each one of these functions was kind of a proprietary black box. And as you mentioned, some things like the PLC was separated from safety and safety even traditionally was um, separated from the motion controller. Um, And then on those machines, even today, in a lot of cases, there's still a PC that needs to be added for doing things like data collection, maybe HMI, um, OPC UA connections. And the other option of that or the other black box that's traditionally on the machines is uh, a vision system. Um, and each one of these devices has over time sort of you know, evolved. And, and sometimes all of those separate hardware pieces being com- connected to the controller, but really they're the same hardware um, just being pushed into the back plane. So they're separate CPUs, they're separate hardware designs, they're very costly. They just seem to be, you know, better plug and play instead of being separately mounted devices. But each one of these devices have their own software to learn, maintain the code base, maintain older versions, um, even supporting existing machines and training, you know, service personnel on the nuances of each platform. It it really causes huge time and effort. Um, the costs are huge. And, and when I mean costs, it's not the costs you see on the initial PO, but but really, you know, deeply affected costs of ownership, or, or maybe a better way to say that is like even the cost of your purchasing decision. And not just to an end user, but even to the OEM, right? Just in, in costs of extra um, time for engineering of maintaining these versions and all of the di- different independent projects files for each one of them. So the the tradition or the, the trend we've seen is, like I mentioned, there's kind of one or two things. One is um, you really bring all of these things that are separate pieces of hardware anyway. And as I mentioned, you kind of shove them into the back plane and go, look, they're all combined, but there's still separate boards. They're still separate CPUs. They're still separate pieces. They just look good together in the cabinet. Or they take the other approach of saying, well, every one of those CPUs just has a piece of software running on it. That's what CPUs do, right? They process software. So 
what if we just take those and integrate them onto one bigger CPU um, and then put all of those and combine them into one programming environment? And, and that's a trend that we see with, you know, several uh, companies that are sub- control suppliers in the market. And there's kind of two paths to that, to be honest, as well. One path is, well, let's do that, but let's really close it off so that the things provided by the supplier are the only things provided by a supplier, period, the end. And if you need more than that, you need to go add another PC to the system and expand on it with, you know, your data logging or database connections or whatever, or the open path, which is really, let's take that same functionality of bringing all the hardware components into software components, but also leave it open. So if a customer wanted to do things like implement, you know, their own C-sharp front end or or advanced data logging or third-party software. Um, it's really open to those kinds of things. And the open path makes it so much easier to combine new features, new features like you mentioned uh, already, some of the uh, IoT. So you can take an existing controller and rather than have to add a piece of hardware to the cabinet, we just say, well, we'd like to add another software module to the existing CPU that is you know, IoT protocol, you know, REST API or MQTT. Um, you can add additional functionality for maybe you know, new advanced motion capabilities or linear transport systems, collision avoidance. Those things are so much um, easier to add to your existing kind of capital than having to throw away that hardware box and add another one that has new functionality. So um, that's kind of the trend we see in the market, moving things towards bigger CPU on one combined box. That's really the, the way that I think every automation controller will end up once they realize that's the path to go forward. And that performance is, I mean, honestly can be measured um, really in the, in the total controller cycle time and update rate of the control, this, the PLC, the motion control. And that obviously has some very direct overall machine production levels and total machine output, um, impacts. Okay. Understood. Now, just to kind of, uh, to make sure everyone's, uh, on the same page with this, you described that there in, in your answer, there's several different types of combinations of technologies that different suppliers are using uh, in terms of what it means to combine these technologies, various types of technologies uh, into automation systems. Is there anything from an end user or system integrator perspective in looking at this that can help you understand like what a supplier means when they say these technologies are, are combined, you know, like what type of integration they're doing with that based on the different types you describe, or is that just something that is an end user or integrator? You just need to ask the supplier themselves and ask them to explain in more detail what they mean by their combination of technologies. Yeah, it's exactly. So I, I think each supplier um, can offer the solution in different ways, right? So it needs to be more than just asking, you know, do you supply these functions? And they go, yes, we do. And they're all part of this package. That could mean, yes, they're all housed under the same engineering environment, the same project files, the same hardware device that all the functionality is included. Or it could mean, yes, you can run, just throwing out an example, yes, you can run C++ on your PLC. But what that really means to some providers is, I'm going to sell you another very expensive piece of hardware that has another CPU on it with another operating system on it, and it gets programmed with completely different tools than the PLC. It slides in the back plane, and then those things can communicate in the behind. Um, So now you're back to the same traditional manner of having two separate CPUs, two separate pieces of very expensive hardware, two separate software um, environments to program, and then having to make those exchange data somehow through whatever mechanism. So yeah, the... 
the idea of yes, we'll supply you a solution and it's all together, quote unquote. I think there's some details there is, you know, what does that mean exactly? Okay. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that, Damon. So I know for Beckhoff, a, a major area of focus around this trend has, has been about bringing machine vision technology into the overall machine control environment. So can you tell us a bit more about Beckhoff's approach here and how that works? Yes, of course. So the as mentioned before, the, the, the approach is really minimizing the system architecture complexity while remaining very open, allowing future functionality to be added without having to exchange hardware, throw away hardware, and bring back new hardware. Um, and so to bring all those functionalities into a software perspective, you know, things like we talked about motion, safety, um, and those things being in the same platform, for example, make safe motion more accessible and possible. IoT, um, all of those things from a software objects rather than hardware objects. So um, now the idea is, is not just to bring those software objects together, but make sure that they're really seamlessly integrated inside of the engineering environment as well. So meaning that there's one kind of controls program for the machine, all settings, all the needed machine software, things like HMI, PLC code, motion, even servo drive configuration, PLC, database, IoT communications, everything really is in that one project. When you open it up, you get everything, um, and now including vision. We've really opened up um, the real-time in our controller, the TwinCat real-time, to uh, these modules. And modules even meaning that we allow customers to use the exact same fundamental architecture in the API that we do to plug in different components like C++, existing C++ code, or MATLAB simulate code. And that's the exact strategy we've taken with our vision integration. Um, we've taken the software algorithms and plugged them in as one of these software modules. And we execute things right inside the real time. And what you know is ideal from a controls engineer standpoint is that the developer tools have all of these things for vision as well. They'll include things like connecting to the camera, doing configuration of camera parameters, all lives in the same environment as your PLC and your drive um, drive configurator and motion and et cetera. And also having tools like, you know, be able to calibrate a camera for a measurement applications and interacting with the software module rather be really complicated. It boils down to a PLC library. So a PLC library for vision functions um, with over 500 functions built into it. And it's really everything from simple manipulation or preparation of the image to contour finding to matching, whatever it might be. Um, and built in these PLC library that can be used in any PLC programming language. So even if you want to program a vision system with ladder logic, if you want, or structured text, that makes it very known to the controls engineer. And then, of course, things like uh, an image watch window in that same environment. So you can see exactly what image, you know, what the camera is seeing at the time that your motion control, your axis was at a certain position or what state you were in in the machine and be able to tie those things together for diagnostics and optimization and fully integrated means fully integrated all the way from the controller, but also up to the HMI. So integrating a component into our web-based HMI that makes it actually very, very simple to bring live images from the camera onto this web-based HMI to be viewable either on an iPad or directly on the machine as the HMI. And it really literally only takes a couple of minutes to bring those images from the PLC control onto the HMI. It's super simple. On the run side, those are engineering tools. On the runtime side, um, we've really implemented those algorithms into the software modules as mentioned before, meaning all of those tools programmed in the PLC are executed in real time, which means very fast execution. 
and means can be synchronized very closely with motion controller, robotics, I.O. Um, and inside the PLC means you can react to these things very quickly. So it means if um, once I'm done looking through the algorithm, I'm done with my vision tools and I've come to some conclusion, the results of that, I can make a decision within the same PLC scan as to what should happen. You know, do I need to move an axis, stop an axis, um, actuate an, you know, a cylinder to apply a label or push a box out or reject a part or whatever it might be um, in the same cycle. And because it's in the PLC, um, it can be made, PLC change code changes can be made on the fly. So I can make PLC edits and do what we call an online change so that it gets, those changes get inserted or modified in the PLC code without having to shut down the machine, without having to stop, compile, download, restart up the, the machine from scratch. Um, and so because it's in PLC, we can do those same things with vision. So I can change the vision algorithms, change vision parameters, add new algorithms, new tool sets in the middle of, of my um, image image processing sequence and, in, and just run those things or inject those things while the machine is running. Uh, makes it super efficient for engineering, especially for the, the uh, OEMs. So with all of the control and vision programs in one environment, is there any concern about bandwidth issues impacting either the vision program or machine control since vision is such a high speed, high bandwidth application? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so being PC-based, PLCs, or should say PCs uh, today are getting their ever-increasing performance through not necessarily adding you know, more clock speed. You know, it used to be that we looked at a, a Pentium processor and it was a 1.0 or a 1.1, 1.2 gigahertz. And that's how the, the speed increased. Today, the speed and the performance is, is increasing through parallel processing paths, meaning adding more cores to the processor. Even a standard laptop today comes with four or six cores. Um, even an iPhone or an Android phone, there are multiple cores inside of those devices as well. So today it's not uncommon for, um, you know, even machine controllers to have two or four cores. Uh, in fact, you know, Beckhoff builds a machine controller that's actually 40 cores. We've done projects that even required more than that. Um, and so taking advantage of those cores means that the, 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 the runtime needs to be able to split things onto different cores. And as I mentioned previously, the, the, the paths of people bringing things together. Some uh, some controls vendors paths have said, well, we're going to use a multiple cores, but you don't get to choose what they're what's used on them. So core number one, for example, is strictly communications. Two number two is strictly PLC. Number three is strictly motion control, etc. Um, where we've taken a little different stance, more open, where we say, look, we have you know six cores, eight cores, twelve cores on this controller. Great, you configure what should run on each core. And so Vision's the same way. We say, well, I'd like to run my main PLC task on core one. I'd like to run this data collection and you know analytics, even machine learning on core two. And I would like to run my vision algorithm on core three. And we even take it one step farther than that, where we say um, we can implement what we call a job task. And we have this uh, job task can be assigned to multiple cores. And the way that works is, Inside the cyclic PLC program, right, that's cycling every, say, one millisecond, when it comes to something that needs to be processed by vision, it then takes that uh, algorithm, hands it to a job task handler that then distributes it and parallel processes that algorithm across multiple cores and then brings the results back and hands it back to the cyclic PLC task. So really automatically leveraging 
uh, multiple cores to parallel process the division algorithm to make it execute faster, not by just putting more horsepower behind it, but literally breaking it up into parallel paths, parallel processing. So, and we make that super easy to configure where basically in the software we say, well, I have, for example, 12 cores. And I say, hey, you know what? The last five cores, six cores, those are completely dedicated to vision. And you basically say, this is a job task, job task, job task, job task. This one's PLC, this one's motion, run. And everything's taken care of under the hood. Can this combination of technologies uh, work with any type of machine vision cameras or is it designed for just certain ones? So another good question. So uh, the, the approach that we took there was um, we implemented support for Gigi vision cameras that support the Gen I or, or Gen E um, cam spec. Uh, and the reason we did this is because there's literally hundreds of cameras on the market. It really allows the user to pick the right hardware that fits their application. So for example, uh, between color applications, different resolution, monochrome cameras, uh, line scan cameras. It really gives you know the users the biggest flexibility and the biggest choice to select what's really right for them. And, and actually, just thought something else. So back to the, the previous bandwidth question, um, this time instead of looking at CPU bandwidth, maybe on the topic of network bandwidth. So in, um, in an application that calls for, say, 10 cameras, right, multiple cameras, and they're all triggered at somewhat of a, a similar time. Um, if using, for example, a, a switch in the middle um, would have all of those images kind of racing back to the controller, the switch sorting out which ones kind of get priority and them all coming kind of at a different time and being pulled in. The, another option is, you know, with Beckoff controllers, we kind of ex- allow that they're expanded. We have the options and the capabilities to expand those to many ethernet ports on that one controller. So each camera could be dedicated to their own port kind of eliminate, eliminating this bandwidth competition for the, the camera image coming in um, and being brought into a dedicated port then can, from the previous conversation, can be also passed then to its own dedicated core. So really kind of giving it a streamlined um, path from, from image acquisition to processing execution uh, and really you know um, maximizing both image analysis and transport efficiency. Yeah, speaking of, and just to clarify with your reference uh, to the <clears throat> giggy networking there, what level of, of that is needed by the end user? Is that just to get that level just needed between the camera and the controller, or does that need to extend beyond that throughout the whole system? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, it depends on the architecture a little bit. Uh, generally, we'll see because of bandwidth issues that there's just a Cat5 cable between the controller and the camera, and it's really dedicated straight line pipe, so to speak. Um, but it could be that the complexity of the machine or the complexity of the application calls for multiple cameras to live very remote, distributed. In that case, it might make sense to have a switch there and bring them back under one cable for simplicity. Really depends on the speed of triggering, the, or I should say if the cameras are being sp- triggered at the same time and the speed that those need to come back and the priority, but um, either way, but generally we see just a kind of a one-to-one connection between camera and controller. Okay. So beyond the ease of programming and interaction with the system by combining control and vision all in one environment, what are the benefits of this to end users beyond just the technology itself? And by that, I mean, you know, does this combination of technologies help improve production operations in any specific ways? Yeah, yes, exactly. So um, for end users, we'll, we'll take it, make a, maybe look at two different things. So we'll look at it from a production standpoint and then maybe from a, a maintenance and a maintainability standpoint. So from a production standpoint, um, 
Yeah, if the images can be processed faster and be reacted on faster, it means a direct input to, or I should say, increase to machine productivity. Um, it's a saying I've heard several times. It's something like, you know, why why make a product in four seconds when it can be done in two? You know, why not take advantage of some of those efficiencies? Uh, at the end of the day, that little gains in, in um, product throughput means some huge gains when multiplied across production shifts or a production year. Um, other things with end users is, is we kind of touched on it earlier, but to today's world, it's extremely common that an end user would want to connect system to a higher level com compute system like an ERP or an edge compute and analytics. And really, if nothing else, to see how the line is running, how the production cell or the production plant, what can be done to increase output or reduce downtime. And so attaching, being able to attach to one central controller on the machine, one place, and be able to pull in data from, you know, logging PLC data, image data, so just the raw images for, let's say, failed acquisitions or things where it wasn't clear what, what, what it should do, um, measurement data, energy, machine energy consumption data, um, without having to figure out how to connect multiple devices and have, you know, IP addresses assigned to a higher level network for four or five or six IP addresses making sure that all of those devices um, meet uh, security requirements. They're being kept up to date um, with any kind of security patches. That, that becomes a real expensive proposition, really challenging to keep to maintain at large end users. And so having that one place, that one point of protection, one connection point, um, it's a huge advantage. Uh, and, and it brings another, another point. So having all these things in one controller, you can really utilize all of the options of that controller or the software platform. So doing things like, if you wanted to log data image results or raw images or raw images along with um, other data, for example, track and trace requirements, being able to log the, the state that the machine was in along with the actual image that was taken with the, maybe the barcode data that was read, read from it, um, being able to log who at that point was logged into the HMI, what recipe was running. Those things are becoming increasingly important in food and beverage as they have been for some decades in um, medical and the life sciences industry. And taking that a bit further, those things could even be logged and directly connected with some of the available tools in the platform. So like Amazon Web Services or Microsoft Azure, you know, maybe uploading those raw images or failed images into an Amazon Web Services S3 bucket online for, for archival. So those are some of the production standpoint. Um, if we look at the maintenance standpoint, it's also a little bit like what's covered previously that uh, a maintenance technician, the, if something fails for his diagnostics tools, he comes with a laptop um, and he's got not just one type of machine in his facility, right? He's got multiple. So if multiple machines have multiple different black boxes and each one of those things has its own software that needs to be installed and the software maybe needs to be maintained for multiple versions. I have old machines and I have newer machines out there. Um, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work and a lot of maintaining just to have that toolbox, the sort of digital toolbox ready that when a machine goes down, the maintenance guy can plug in and, and have access to all that data or configuration diagnostics. Um, and it gets, you know, a little bit more complicated when we talk about the nuances of each one of those software, right? How is it that you make a connection to that black box? Is this a special cable? Do you have to know, you know, each thing maybe has a password, um, that becomes something where, Unless a maintenance technician is proficient with all those platforms, it could cause extra downtime because when the machine goes down and you're not sure how to use the tools to diagnose, diagnose it and get it fixed, uh, it just prolongs the time that the machine's down. So those are, uh, those are all 
all really important end user benefits of bringing all of this into one application and one basically file open. Here's all the things I might need to troubleshoot this machine. Understood. Okay. So since Beckhoff's combined hardware and software technology for this has been available for a while now, uh, can you provide some examples of companies who have used this technology and how it's benefited them specifically? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, a couple examples come to the top of my head. There's uh, one one customer application that they, they had a little bit of an older machine in the facility. They want to do some retrofits and they wanted to basically duplicate their production needs have gone up and they want to put another machine in place. And instead of just uh, duplicating with the same components, they took the opportunity because of the retrofit to say, well, let's think about what we can do better. Um, and they, they actually, we re- removed the existing vision system that they had on there um, and implemented TwinCat Vision, the kind of all-in-one combined. And they ended up, it was a 50% savings in cost. And so 50% because uh, they just needed the Giggy camera, which they already had actually. And it plugged in directly to um, into our existing controller. And the controller they had selected had enough bandwidth left in the CPU that they didn't even need to update the CPU. They didn't need to put a bigger processor in it. They just used the existing one. So quite a lot of cost savings. And then uh, also there was a 15% increase in production. So we could process and react faster on that vision algorithm than its predecessor, the previous solution. So that was that was a really great, um, pretty straightforward application with some really you know big benefits. The uh, another one that I'm thinking of is a multiple camera situation. So we had another customer that was running um, five cameras all um, in one, on one machine. And they, same idea, they were looking at, well, okay, this is, this is very expensive actually. So we can't really deploy this into a, multiple quantities of these machines uh, with, with this cost. We got to look away to do some cost savings and, and it's understandable. Um, some smart cameras with the capabilities that they needed, I, they were as much or slightly more than the entire machine controller, right? The, the the PLC and motion control. And so you take that times five, it becomes extremely expensive. It becomes almost cost prohibitive on some smaller economy machines. And so they they said, okay, well, let's take a look at Twinkat Vision. And, and what they implemented was a Giggy camera that could be purchased for, you know, a few hundred bucks, very definitely less than a thousand dollars based on their needs with lensing even, um, and then implemented that inside TwinCat Vision. They did have to scale up the, the processes that they were using originally to, from just doing their motion and PLC and connectivity because of the extra need for the CPU or yeah, the extra load on the CPU because of the five cameras and the running the algorithms. But the cost to increase the CPU performance was, was still a fraction of the cost of um, what the overall five cameras cost them. So it was also a huge uh, savings in um, not, not only just savings in cost, but it also brought all of those tools into that one environment. So it was very easy to, again, have one thing that needed archived in source code and one thing that got rev controlled for the entire machine rather than have multiple different pieces. So yeah, um, quite a lot of benefits for end users, OEMs across the board. All right. Well, thank you for joining me for this podcast, Damon. And of course, thanks to all of our listeners. And please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World Get Your Questions Answered. And remember to visit our website at www.automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news.